The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. In a world where nothing is certain, Welcome to the Identity Matters Worldview Institute. Today's message we are calling the Spitting Contest. The subtitle is False Teachers or Beware of False Teachers. But I want to read a passage to you. It's out of Luke chapter 18 verses 32 through 33. It says, For he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scorned him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to share with you the verse out of Revelation in regard to the lukewarm church being the church of Laodicea, that if the people did not repent of their rich, wealthy, normative ways, that Jesus Christ himself is going to spit them out of his mouth. Spit, typically, is vulgar to people. Well, in Jesus' case, as well as the Pharisees and the scribe, it was not a vulgar thing to do as much as a necessary thing to do. When you are finished with a person, when it is done, it's completed, you're no longer going to try to reform them, educate them, or bring them repentance. There is a spitting contest. This is... Jesus being spat upon by the teachers of his age. That generation, that era, these very well-educated Pharisees, they confronted Jesus on a fairly regular basis. This is at the end when they had to put the seal of spit upon their work, which were obviously mocking and betrayal. And the list is a lot longer than these two verses are showing us. It's a seal. I am finished with you. I am done. It is over. Killing. Putting to death. He couldn't be put to death until a chief Pharisee spit on him. And I can prove that to you in the Greek and 
the Hebrew. It is a requirement of it is finished. So therefore, when Jesus spits Laodicea out of his mouth, it is finished. There is no redemption available for you after the spitting contest. It's over. Here's our three objectives for today. How is it that the Lord's Church has been labeled the post-truth church? I mean, if you can, in your mind, I have no problem doing this. If you can, in your mind, just imagine the entire church worldwide. Under every tree, in every home, every hidden cell of you running off and finding a secret place to be able to meet, to have church, in the mega churches, the state churches, try to think of the global church worldwide. How is it that she has been brought to the point of being labeled the post-truth church? What has happened to bring us to this label? Now, I have no clue, thankfully, of who is listening to our podcast. So I don't even know who you are, but I'm asking you a question from statistics. That at an average gathering, that 90% of the people that are in the room gathering have already turned this preacher off in one fashion or another. Then there's a certain percentage of those that are working really, really hard to keep it turned off. Now we're going to move it to the global church. Out of 100% of every person who claims the term Christian, I am keeping in this global church worldview. Now out of this global church worldview, statistics are telling us that 90% of the people in this global church have no ability to hear and receive the truth because of their judgments. You see, in the book of Revelation, when that that horse comes out with the justice scales, in the book of Revelation, it didn't describe that rider as a gift from God. The enemy is going to use judgment and condemnation and gossip and betrayal, anything he can to hold that justice scale up saying, she's like this, don't like her. He's like this, don't like him. He's not really righteous. He's not, and he's taking the law all over the church, the global church. He's using the law to get people to turn off the true truth sayers. 
That is what he is doing right now today because we have officially received the label that we are the post-truth church. So we need to talk about what exactly Christianized institutions are all about. Secondly, we need to talk about this spitting contest. And then third, we need to talk about it's time to revive the apostles. You know, I did some reviewing of some statistics today of our youth running off to finding their place in the world. But that their primary goal is to make money. To stabilize their retirements. That was another thing that was said. To start now on your retirements. Do you not have a clear enough mind to hear what it says out of Jesus' mouth to the church of Laodicea? The poor inherit the earth. It's the poor that are gaining the attention of God the Almighty. Jesus the Christ and the comfort of the Holy Spirit who is the Lamb of God. There is something about to happen to our youth today that is going to set in place in cement the final church of Laodicea worldwide. So all of you people who are listening, who are fragmented in your thinking, and your minds are running every direction, you might start praying now. Wherever you're at, driving down the road or sitting in a Bible study, that fragmented mind was years and years and years of demonic influence on your mind to be distracted and unable to focus on a true teacher. You can call it ADD if you want to, but that is not what it is. The label is so far out of control today, this self-diagnostic label that is being used on this generation on young people and old people who cannot focus on absolute truth longer than 30 seconds. Something has gone foul in the traditions of the human mind. When we have to hand over devices to our children and teenagers and young adults. And you think, how could anything hold their attention for five hours? But soon as the parent opens their mouth to teach them the indwelling life of Jesus Christ, they can't sit through 30 seconds of it without having personal judgments in their mind. I can explain that to you at 602-292-2982. You are duped. I don't care if you're 80 years of age or 8 years of age. You are duped. 
Because that is not how Jesus Christ functions. Jesus Christ is laser focused. Jesus Christ is pinpointed. He's target oriented. What did that horse rider have strapped to his back? A bow and arrow. You talk about being a sniper. Jesus will hit his target. Good, bad, or indifferent. Your gray zone behavior does not impress him. Lazy people are putting themselves in a position of dealing with God one on one in brokenness. It is the symptom of behavior that is thrown out there more than any other behavioral weakness in the Old Testament. Is slothful, lazy people. Are you one of them? Christianized institutions, let's carefully review the methodology of many of these Christianized learning training schools, online or offline. Here's it, basically. A lukewarm professor is one that gives the appearance of serving God. Appearance is the word to underline for you students. But puts his primary focus on the external documentation of God. So the student's going, is what this professor saying noted in the scriptures? I say, so what? People in the pews today judge the preacher by if what they're saying is matching the scriptures. What does that prove? It's knowledge. That is a part of it, but it is not the determining factor when that justice scale is put out there. So they put the emphasis on the external documentation, not putting the emphasis on the indwelling life of Christ. Now if you take documentation in the indwelling life of Christ, which is the mind of Christ student, and you put the two of those together, Christ will be released through you, in your mind, with the proper documentation and doctrines. And when that teacher is used to release the two of those together, you have what the old schoolers call spirit-filled preacher. Today it would be an indwelt, power-packed teacher. And there's many of them out there. Thank God. This emphasis puts the fork in the road, leaving the student with the question of them deciding, after they ask, well, what religion am I going to pick? Which Jesus do I want to pick? Door number one, liberal, loves everything from homosexuality, to God only knows what. And of course within that door number one. 
Jesus loves you, accepts you, and forgives you even when you're not saved. I don't know that, Jesus. Door number two, Jesus, is this legalistic Jesus that's still kind of hanging around a bit. These are believers beating you with the Bible, putting a heavy emphasis upon the law aspect of the Bible. And I'm here to tell you, student, I do not know who that Jesus is. Door number three, I know that Jesus. He was resurrected on the third day. He loves the number three. And in his revelation, as that door opens up, I have a perfect, theologically sound, Savior, husband, leader, God, that I can faithfully serve who understands that grace is for the purpose of oiling the slide to lead someone to salvation, but they cannot have grace until they are indwelt by him. Then they are redeemed. Then they are made alive. Then they are forgiven of all of their sins. And there's our three Jesuses. Fill in that blank. Send it in. And tell me, are you a door number one, are you a door number two, or are you a door number three? These false teachers has literally set the student up for the worst kind of religion known to God, the external form of interpreting what God says, what he means by what he says, who he is, who he's not. They decide. Then they come out after you with these strong opinions of who they believe God is or what God meant by what God says. Do not send me your homework response asking those kinds of questions heavily cloaked in your opinions because you probably won't like what you're going to get in reply. The simple matter is no one tells God what he means by what he says. I don't care how many doctorates you have in theology. God is in the routine of telling us what he means by what he says. It's called having the indwelling Holy Spirit living inside you to reveal what God means by what God says. It's my greatest aha moment. This became the birthing place of the 3,000 plus denominations we have today with learning institutions to match each of them. It's rare that someone can send me the name of an institution that I cannot connect it to a denomination. It's rare. They're out there. But most of them, when you do a little historical data check on them, you're going to find out that they were started by a particular denomination. The original purpose of Bible schools was not to train and equip young people in the Bible. The original Bible schools that you find in church history were to move a student to adopt the church doctrines by using the Bible. 
Huge difference. Still being done today. This madhouse theology or methodology deludes the glory of God, the interest of Christ in truth, and the need, of course, for indwelling salvation, not following salvation. And more significantly, an understanding of Christ's mind indwelling the student, the believer, upon salvation. For without these four truths, we simply cannot be wise, no matter how many degrees you get. Wisdom is not found in knowledge. Wisdom is found in a person. You either replicate that wisdom that you see or are experiencing in a person, or you take ownership of it. So a wise person is not necessarily someone who knows the right thing to do all the time. There's wisdom that is earthly and there's wisdom that is heavenly. So you need to look around just for the fun of it and ask yourself, am I really familiar with any kind of Christian institution that teaches with the modality of Christ is the main teacher in the teacher? Is this institution using and making use of releasing Christ within you, which also includes his mind, I don't think he's brainless, releasing the mind of Christ into your mind, and then you're speaking, not your wisdom, because you've become a wise person, but you're releasing the wisdom of Christ from within. This sets us up for the spitting contest. So in looking at the question, well, how is it that the global church today has been labeled the post-truth church? We need to take a look at one single factor. And that is, who is your teacher? That's all you have to ask yourself. You say, well, I've got five instructors. Or it's my pastor. Or it's my school teacher's. No, I'm asking for who is your primary teacher? Who is your leader among leaders? Then we can look at what it is they're saying and what they're teaching you in regard to, in this case, the Holy Scriptures. But the question is, who's your teacher? Remember the statistics we showed you in the Gen Z conference? That 86% of the adults today that were surveyed say, I am my own teacher. They take the word of God, they have to study it themselves so they can't be told what to do, what to believe by another teacher. And so the formulating of their views from the end times to the beginning times, the Alpha and Omega becomes very self-governed, self-actualized, self-interpreted, because they have no teacher. 
The ones in the end who have no teacher, no primary teacher, are the easiest grapes to pick for Satan as a world-class leader. They're the easy ones. The ones who only tell themselves what to do. 602-292-2982 For the IM students that are going through this particular lecture, I throw out my cell phone number so that I can receive personal texts from you directly. Please make use of that number. Churches have surrounded themselves with teachers that heap up to themselves pride, who are impotent at teaching the identified truths of Christ in you, are blind and ignorant leaders, the blind leading the blind, and know not the truth because they know not Christ. I don't expect them to teach the indwelling life of Christ because they don't have him. Why should I expect an unbeliever to act like a Christian? Statistics also show that judgmental problems that most adult Christians have are against unsaved people, unsaved spouse, unsaved children, unsaved friends. There's no value in it. None. Why are you expecting an unbeliever to act like a believer? There's no logic in that. So why would you expect a professor to give you quality indwelling teachings when they know not Christ? That is called fruitless. Each have become enemies of the true gospel rejecting those who teach it and resist the pre-established doctrines that clearly prove it. Here's our Hebrew and Greek. The Hebrew root word for spit means this. To separate, remove chaos, or deny access to the inner room. That's from the pictorial Hebrew. The modern Hebrew is to reject. Pictorial Hebrew is obviously far more accurate. The Greek meaning is to remove from the mouth, to expel what is tasted, or to forcefully give back words, which is an act of hatred. Look at those two. I know my local listeners already know that Jesus was and is a Hebrew boy. It's his primary language. Whatever the meanings are that his father attached to these Hebrew words is the ones he's using to this very hour. But looking at Hebrew and Greek, which one do you think is going to match Jesus spitting the church of Laodicea 
out of his mouth. The Hebrew, he's removing chaos. Please, listener, student, listen carefully. Jesus is spitting the lukewarm church out of his mouth because of their chaos. Laxadaisy, lazy believers are chaotic. Fragmented ADD thinkers are dangerous. On one day, off the next day. Do not be like that as you go through these courses. Focus can only be done by the indwelling mind of Christ. Jesus is bringing forth the true and original definition of spitting. He's going to deny access of these people to where? The inner room. Jack tonight in his story was faced with the inner room. There was so much glory to behold. He collapsed and couldn't speak. He couldn't see. He was as if he was dead. Because he entered the holy room where all of the holiness and decisions of eternity are made. And where were the saints? who were willing to have their throats cut for sharing the truth. They were the foundation of the throne. This is what it is boiling down to. So the lukewarm students, the lukewarm believers, the lazy people are being addressed here as chaotic. And they will not enter the inner room. They don't have the guts for it. I not only beg God every day for more of insight of that inner room, I go in there once in a while. The older I get, the more I like to spend time in there. It takes guts. To believe by faith what God says and what he means by what he says. And lazy people are too lazy to even wrestle with truth. And if you're a listener and you have the tendency to be lazy, I would listen to this podcast several times. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.